Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 3 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is late in the afternoon on November 7th. We have had some technical difficulties today getting this thing going, so uh, I apologize for the delay, but here we are. We've got a busy show today, lots to cover. We're going to start with a Dynamite recap, give you a full gear preview, and then we're going to touch on a little bit of New Japan. We've got uh, the New Japan showdown occurring this weekend on the West Coast. We've had some Wrestle Kingdom announcements this week. Uh, we've got the World Tag League coming up, so we'll preview that. And really, anything else or anything else we feel like talking about, we'll cover. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to get into some New Japan. We haven't really had the opportunity. It's been, at least what I feel, a little slow couple of months with New Japan. We had a power struggle this weekend. We'll cover a little bit of those results, and we'll talk a bit about uh, Jay White in the main event. Um, but we'll, we'll get on to that. But the big announcement, of course, with the Wrestle Kingdom implications. So we'll talk about that, but we'll try to keep this one a little concise because we got a lot to talk about. Nobody wants to listen too long. So we'll try to keep the previews and everything down for full gear, but we'll get through this recap and we'll cover everything the same way we did last time and we'll make sure that we get into New Japan at the end there and we'll listen to your guys' feedback and whatever you thought was the best part and if you're excited for Wrestle Kingdom. So, with that, Ashley, why don't we get started? Yeah, let's go. So, before we get into the full um, Dynamite recap, I just want to start here. Last week, with week five, you said that you felt like that was Dynamite's weakest show. Yes. And then week six comes, and they follow it up with arguably the best show they've had. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was their best show. I mean, it's truthfully as, what was the other week? It was uh, the semifinals of the tag team tournament. That was a very good show. With the brawl, DDP arrived. That was the concession stand fight when Jericho stuck the ticket to his forehead. That was a very, very good show. I think that was their best show. This one, though, I mean, I was. This was just as good as that. I mean, it could have been better. This was just as good as that because every match I thought was good. Every match that was given ample time was actually very good. As we're here watching the replay, just to get comfortable with what we're talking about, the the women's tag match was arguably the strongest women's match they've had outside of Nyla versus Rio on opening day. Yeah, I I agree with that. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, so the show opened with Trent versus pack and i thought that was a fantastic way to start the night singles trent a little singles bit of that. trent i love trent i've always loved trent i i guess i didn't spend enough time watching trent i wasn't a huge fan of trent not his body of work but maybe his character or lack thereof character I guess it's part of the Zack Ryder thing. I was never on the Zack Ryder bandwagon. Has nothing to do with Zack Ryder as a worker. I mean, Zack Ryder is a good wrestler, very solid, very safe. I never was on the Zack Ryder Z True Long Island story stuff. I dedicated a lot of time watching that show. Oh, I, I <laughs> and I know, know I've, I've shown you, I've shown you clips. The Where's Trent? Yeah, is still one of the funniest things to me. Um. But I'm really happy that Trent is is here along with Chuck Taylor and the best friends group. Um, I just I think it's great exposure for the both of them. And I thought the singles match really surprised a lot of people. Well, I don't know if it I don't know if it surprised a lot of people. Um, well, I think they have a thought of how Trent can work. I think they think he's a high quality wrestler. I think Trent is a very good wrestler. I th I like Trent. I think he's better in the group. I think he's the better wrestler of the team. Chuck Taylor definitely the bigger entertainer. That's why I think their tag team works so well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Su surprised wasn't the right word. Um, it's not not what I was going for because I know that both men are extremely talented and I know what they're capable of. I think myself, I wasn't expecting, you know, a, a full-length, hard-hitting match like that considering the way that Pac's been booked since his venture with AEW started. And then you've got, you know, Trent one half of a tag team and the matchup, May have been unfamiliar to 
American audiences, and I don't mean American audiences, but generalized audiences, the people on television, they don't account for anybody. I mean, yes, of course we're supposed to be following AEW through Double or Nothing. Of course we were supposed to be following them through Fighter Fest, through Fight for the Fallen, through All Out. But the introduction to these guys, to the million and a half viewers that tuned in TNT opening day, you were introduced to Best Friends as a tag team. So when you advertise that Pac, who is one of the most dominant wrestlers in this business, who's as smooth as they get, as talented as they get, and he's being booked in such a powerful way, gets slotted against one half of a tag team, and on top of that, not a comedic tag team, I want to go there, but they did do the Rick and Morty thing last week, but maybe it's a little less expectation coming out of it from people watching it, and they had a really good match, they had a very good match, very strong match, and the ending, though, however... You know, he, he didn't kick out. The referee counted the two. I, you know, it's basically the referee knew the ending. Trent didn't kick out. I thought it worked, though, you know, because you know what it looks like. Pac gets frustrated, takes his frustration out on Trent, makes him tap out in that, you know, chokehold. He has a name for that move. I'm sorry, but he has uh, that chokehold, which he submitted Page to and then submitted Omega to. So I think the ending, even though it was kind of a botch, I think it, it bowed itself well to what Pac is going for for his character. And I thought the match overall was a, was a complete success on that regard. You summed that up perfectly. It, it was a really enjoyable match, a strong showing for both of them. And I think the submission finish for Pac is, is the way to go all the time. But right after that, we moved or we transitioned rather to the Cody, the Cody promo. Yeah, uh, you know what? While we're doing this, why don't we just package together the Cody and the Jericho promo? Because, I mean, it was a Jericho parody promo to begin with. But why don't we just package both of them together so that we can kind of get that out of the way in one big bang? Because we got to cover the New Japan, the heavy New Japan at the end of the show. So we'll get those both in. We'll kind of compare and contrast them. You got a chance to watch Cody. I got a chance to watch Cody. What did you think about Cody? I thought it was a very moving, emotional, passionate promo. I rewatched it and... I got teary-eyed. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to get teary-eyed. Um, my Twitter handle is Ashley is Dashing. Yes, it is. I've been a Cody girl since he made his debut. What was it, 2006? I 2006? don't even know. I feel like he's been around forever now. Legacy, 2009, Legacy, I know he was around. with Hardcore Holly before that. There you go. Um, There's a little history. I've been a Cody girl for a while. But just seeing him on this stage each week, it... It just makes me so proud to see how far he's come, and that sounds so corny. Yeah, I know it does, but each week he continues to blow me away. So, and, and this promo was, I think, a perfect way to hype everyone up for full gear, and we've got a big step on the line now. If Cody loses this match, if he doesn't win, he's never challenging for the championship again. Huge stakes. He's talked at length before how, you know, winning the world championship was one of the most important things in his life. So this feud with Jericho from the beginning has been so much more than just about the belt. It's felt so, so personal for Cody. Like it's been almost, it's do or die. And that's the way that they've been, you know, telling the story since episode one or even before episode one with the, the videos gearing up for the Sammy Guevara match. Like, Cody needs this, or what is he? But I think that's why you put that stipulation on there. I know a lot of people kind of felt, hey, listen, they don't need to add this extra stip. We know we have a friend of ours It's kind of like, you know, he, he got out of it now. He's not engaged anymore from this. He says, I think it's just kind of overkill at this point. But, you know, the truth is that the Cody story makes you need to watch it. Because Cody may not win, but you have to watch and see. I understand there are other people that are saying, well, they don't need to tell this. I think people are going to tune in anyway. But the reality is you don't know that. And this Cody story is now a must-watch, a must-buy. I have to see how they're going to figure this out. He's going to lose his opportunity at challenging for the AEW world title ever again. So this is huge. And... Talking about that, just in general, the AEW title, if with this stipulation now that if, that if he loses and Cody could win, I'm not against Cody winning the belt here. I'm not against them maybe flipping the title a few times. I think 
you talking about longevity, oh, legitimacy of a championship, longer title reigns. This has only been a new popular installation in wrestling with these long title reigns. If you think back to even John Cena, Randy Orton, the Attitude Era, these belts got flip-flopped. But immediately, it kind of legitimizes a little bit of what these main event stars are if they are getting title reigns. And I mean that in... If Cody does win, and even if he holds the belt for a month and Jericho gets it back on his cruise, or if John Moxley's being geared up toward that AEW world title spot because it seems like he is, or if Pac gets a shot at it, I think it's important and imperative that these guys do get title reigns because the reality is... We don't know how long AEW is going to be around for. We don't know how long they're going to be on television for. We don't know how well they're going to do in the ratings continuing. So I do think that long process of holding the title belts, it may not be the way it could work best for AEW. It may not be the way that AEW needs to go about their business because it may not be a moniker for them to say, hey, listen, we're going to be ROH and hold these belts for that long. This may be the way that they get these talents across and abroad and legitimized quickly as world champions. They don't have a ton of time in the same sense. It's a bit time sensitive. They don't have a 10-year contract. So maybe I'm not against it. And maybe we can see that going forward. So with that, we get to the Jericho part of this, which was obviously a parody of the Cody promo. It obviously was, but it's also being dubbed the best promo package in wrestling history. <laughs> the best in wrestling history. I mean, you haven't seen that. I I have. I mean, I'll tell you what. Jericho's pretty fucking great. Is this the best he's ever been? It has to. It has to be. It has to be. This is the least he's been limited. Fair. Okay. Is that is that a true statement? Did I say that correctly? The least he's been limited. I mean, I can't confirm that, but I yeah. I would think so. It I mean, seems that way. He's been PG since 2009, so that just attacks what Jericho can be. His his work in WCW was fantastic. His work in the early WWF was very good. It took him a while to acclimate, but he did a very nice job of doing that. And I think in the PG era, he maximized what he was allowed to do. You look at the list, and you look at being the best friend of Kevin Owens, just his recent memory. Even the Y2J, well, that was Television 14 also, but some of that Y2J Codebreaker stuff, he did some really good stuff. Oh, yeah, I don't think he's ever been bad, but I just, how does he keep getting better? <laughs> I, I think I, that's what's crazy. I don't know. He's he's as good Truly as it gets. the GOAT. And there's not much to say about this promo. You, Everybody saw it. Everybody enjoyed it. He's the youngest AEW world champion of all time. And, I mean, that that's it. It sums it up. It's, it's Cody was emotional, visceral, telling you, I'm going to win this AEW world title. And if I don't, I'll never challenge again. Because I know, and everyone's shit all over him, well, an EVP is going to book himself to be champion. Well, you know what? Maybe he will. But it doesn't seem to matter anymore to anybody what Cody does. It doesn't seem to matter if he's an EVP. Everybody's eating it up. Cody's the biggest baby face in the company. Jericho is the biggest heel and the best at doing it. And that's as simple an explanation and recap of that segment as it's going to get. And if for some reason you haven't watched it, go do that right now. Because I, I don't know how you, how you could miss it. It's on the Twitter, correct? The AE Wrestling Twitter? AEW? It is on the Twitter, yes. I don't know what the Twitter handle is. I think it's AE Wrestling. Yes. Okay, so check that out. It's about three minutes long. It's a fantastic piece. And then after that came... After that, we had two really cool tag team matches back-to-back, starting with the Dark Order versus Private Party. Private Party has, again, just killed it every time they're out there. But I think this was one of the stronger showings for the Dark Order. And I feel like I'm way too positive on this podcast, but they are growing on me. I, I liked what I saw. I, this was arguably their best match. And their match against SCU was also very good. Yes, it was. But the Dark Order, as much as the crowd just can't get in maybe to the character, or maybe it's just kind of the way that they're booked, to the way that they're being presented, these guys can go, and they can wrestle, and I, they're very good. I think it's starting to click. 
Yeah, for sure. So that match, the winner went into a triple threat tag team championship match for the AEW World Tag Team titles. At full gear, Lucha Bros, champions SCU versus the winners who are private party. Correct. And that's about as simple as to get three tag teams, three of the best tag teams in their company, in the business, toe-to-toe-to-toe. See what I did there? Three of them. Toe-to-toe-to-toe. Well, it would be toe-to-toe-to-toe-to-toe-to-toe. Six of them. Yeah. But they did get those medals, which I thought was a little... I, I got it. I mean, you got the tournament. First place got the gold medals. It's obviously SCU. Second place got the silver medals. They got the bronze medal. They placed it as a bronze medal placement. I guess maybe they're going to advertise them as the like third place winners of the tournament. And maybe that's what they're going to do. They do still advertise Adam Page as the casino battle royal winner. So maybe they're going to do that. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely more of a... Sp- Sport, that's what you're getting sport, at. Yeah. yeah, more of a um, you know, sports presentation where your your accomplishments matter, your wins and losses matter. Right, and your rankings, your third, you know, your third mm-hmm. place ranking in a tournament that's supposed to be sports centric. That makes sense. I mean it totally makes sense. I'm not against it. They're not using the, the medals for a feud or for a story or for like you know, so it's just an award just showing, hey, listen, we competed, we came in third. Third is great when you came in behind SCU and the Lucha Brothers. So, oh yeah, I'm excited for that match. This match, though, very good, hard hitting, fast. There were some great moments from Evil Uno, some great moments from Stu Grayson. Stu Grayson is an excellent wrestler. Private Party last night looked better in terms of just a little bit of their sloppiness. I don't want to go into sloppiness, but they were a little bit less sharp against the Lucha Brothers. The way that they, I mean, against the Young Bucks, they were as sharp as attack. But in this match, I thought they were excellent. I thought both teams were very well highlighted. I thought both teams performed admirably in this in this match. Because, again, this was a weird tie-in that there was no real explanation, that's the right word, for why we were having a triple threat tag match. But I'm more than okay with that. That's something WWE hasn't done in a minute. That's something I haven't seen in a minute. And I know they did one on a buy-in a couple of uh, pay-per-views ago, and that was a really good match. So I'm excited for this one. I am as well. I think the triple threat tag is a nice little twist, not traditional. It gets everybody involved. Exactly, and uh, I think it's going to be a great match at full gear. Next up after that was the women's tag team match. We had Rio and Shanna versus Jamie Hayter and Emi Sakura. Yeah. Sakura? Sakura? It's not Sakurai, so there's no eye no on the end no. of it. Sakura. I'm trying my best. I, I never heard of her. Apparently, she's very famous. And again, it makes me uncultured in that regard. But apparently, she's a legend in Japan. She trained Riho. Right. That's what I'm gathering out of it. But this was one of the better women's matches that they've put on television over the course of the first six weeks. Besides, like I told you earlier, Nyla and Rio opening the program. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was a very good showing. They're, they're starting to find their rhythm with which women are working best on television. It's it's all about the TV thing. These women are very talented wrestlers. They mm-hmm. all are. But none of them really have television experience. So some of these women are finding their role. Jamie Hayter looked a lot better this evening, last evening, I'm sorry. Uh, Emi Sakura, this was the best outing, I think, of her. I think they're starting to just get comfortable now since they're coming over here working in America she got that roll-up, though, on Rio. Yeah, very interesting leading into full gear. And, you know, just kind of going back to the part on Emmy training Rio, there's, there's a whole lot of story there. And the, the mentor-mentee matchup is one that we've seen in the past. It's one that works quite well. In the Best of the Super Junior Tournament, I believe it was this year's Best of the Super Junior Tournament, where Chiguchi, one of the... You know, one of the trainers over in, in New Japan had a match against Yo in the B block, I think. Oh, I don't know a block. B block or A block. One of those blocks. Um, but it was a trainer trainee matchup. And I remember listening to the commentary and they were really building up the fact that Kevin Kelly's great. Kevin Kelly is absolutely amazing. He's, he's really good at this. Building that story is really, really good. the commentary was really playing into the fact that, you know, Yo was trained by Taguchi and now he's here trying to outsmart, you know, the veteran. And the story just worked 
in this instance, Taguchi came out on top, and it made sense. I remember sitting there watching the match, and you know the commentary added so much to the story. But I'm like, that that made sense. Why would Yo outsmart his trainer? And I'm not saying that that's going to happen in this instance at full gear because I, I don't really know what's going to happen. And there are times where you know the trainee overcomes the 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 trainer, the the mentor, and that just shows how good the mentor is. But you know, to not go off on too far of a tangent, there is so much story with Emmy and Riho. I just wish we were able to see more of it. Yes. Do you think, let me ask you a question. Do you think maybe it's part language barrier since they're doing a lot more on television, less on these road twos? I understand that they let Rio do a promo on the road two, but they use the subtitles. But now that they're on television, is there more of an awareness to say, hey, I don't know if I can let somebody who is not fluent in English come out there and just kind of go on a promo? I don't think I, I don't think that's the case at all. We I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I don't think it has anything to do with language barriers or promo abilities. We talked about this last week with Shanna. Right. Who is she? Right. Just um, a little bit about her. Exactly. Just, you know. I think, especially with the women, they're doing a fantastic job giving them time in the ring. Sure. And you're really getting to know their characters and their wrestling abilities in the ring. Sure. But they still need to work on giving us more of an introduction to, you know, who these characters are outside the ring. Not necessarily, like, personal Well, I don't know maybe if the commentary is giving us that. Maybe they're providing a little bit more than we think. But when we watch the show, we sometimes can't get as engaged in the commentary. We're watching this for that. So that's why we need those little video packages. That's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. The commentary is the commentary touched on the the, um, Emmy training yesterday. Yeah, they did. And so it's not it's not as much a commentary issue here either. It's just I, I think the the women need more promos or video packages which we're starting to see with brandy uh transitioning now to her promo again this was something that i loved and it's it's really giving life to the women's division and i hope that not only do they continue doing more with brandy and kong but that we start to see this with other women as well yeah and and you know the brandy thing i think what's great we can roll into that because all the women kind of ran one big package because i believe brandy came right after that tag team match Mm -hmm. so With Brandy, it was exactly how we said it was going to be last week on the podcast. We said, Brandy's the brains, Kong's the muscle, Kong's the body. It's the total package, the total story. So it's simple enough that we were able to get it. They weren't trying to go above and beyond and be crazy with it. Or, you know, we were able to understand it. We picked it up pretty quick. But it gave them life. Now I'm excited to see what Brandy does. Now I'm excited to see who awesome Kong faces. And I think with that Rio Emmy just kind of tying everything together there, just a little bit of that video package would have been so much better for everybody at home watching it. Just kind of saying, okay, Rio is fighting her mentor in Emmy. Emmy's coming here saying, are you really ready to be the world champion of a promotion, to be the face of a company. If you are, you have to defeat me. And I think that's kind of the generalized story they're going with. It's just unfortunate that not many of us are really grasping it because we're not getting those visuals that we need. Exactly. But the Brandy thing was great. Again, the production value of Brandy's stuff is so high. And that's the thing that's so great about AEW, those video packages, the, the Jericho one, the Brandy one. They're so highly produced. The countdown on YouTube was so well produced. You got so much of those characters. We really got a feeling of what goes inside those guys. They're real person, what's in their hearts, what's in their brains. It's a good piece. And if everybody has an opportunity... Go and check those things out. It gives you a totally different perspective on those individuals. And and you know what? While you're in there, if you are lacking a little bit on the Rio, go back and watch the countdown, the road to all out, because they do a really nice piece about Rio and why she's here and what she's here for. I, I absolutely agree with you there. And overall, I, I know we haven't been doing grades today like we did last week, but I would give the entire women's segment both the match and the Brandy promo in A. And I, I think they're on the up, and I'm excited for what's what's to come. Oh, man, I forgot about the grades. Yeah. Oh, shoot. 
So today has been a disaster recording this, just for full disclosure. Yeah, it's been a little rough. We've had a lot of technical difficulties. I can't get my thoughts out. Yeah. Rich can't get his thoughts out. We're trying our best. So just bear with us here as we continue through. Now going to Janela. Well, it's really Sean Spears, but Janela. <laughs> Janela wasn't in the match. It was Sean Spears and Brandon Cutler that came up next on the night. Yeah, and Joey Janela came in, obviously, to make the save because the match was short and sweet. Did its job. Brandon Cutler, again, looked pretty good on television. Yeah. He's He does his job. And I think you're not taking him seriously. You know he's not going to win, but this is big for Sean Spears. He gets to two and two, match and segment. We'll give it a grade this time. We'll give it. A, I'll give it like a C plus, B minus, B minus, because it did its job. It got Sean Spears a win. He's two and two. If he's going to be a main player mid Carter, by the way, I love his look. I think his look is fantastic. You love his entrance too. Yeah, I, th- I think everything about Sean Spears is great. I, th- I think he's done a really nice job of repackaging himself, rebuilding himself for this position. And if he's going to be a guy who kind of leads with Tully Blanchard into the mid-card title when they introduce that, I'm more than okay with that. And feuding with Joey Janela, who's clearly a fan favorite, you know what, Joey, just fight me. We'll challenge him. Challenge him now, third time in a row. Joey, I want to wrestle you. We'll have an opportunity to do so. I know we will in the future, but I'm just trying to get it out there. But we'll get back to that. But Joey Janela, again, is a fan favorite, and he comes out and takes on Sean Spears, who the fans, they don't like. And I think that's a good thing. They don't like him. He's a good heel. He's a bad boy. He's, He's a, a bad, bad... Not, Sorry. Not oh, a bad man. boy. <laughs> sorry. Not a Joe bad Janella boy. Joe Janela is a bad boy. Sean Spears Sean is the chairman. Is, a, is, a, is the chairman. He's, <laughs> He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. But he tried to give a Death Valley driver to Brandon Cutler. And Joey Janela comes out for the save. Joey Janela, what was that tweet really funny? He, he came in as 96 and left as 2019. Give her a little plug. That's a funny tweet. Oh, and his, his outfit. Yeah, that was yeah. a funny tweet. He has some outfits, though. But uh, Sean Spears, I think, looks good. I mean, he comes out there. He's obviously bulked up. He looks like a legitimate heavyweight. I like the tattoos. I think he looks really good, and I think he's going to help really legitimize this mid-card division. I think, obviously, there's not much to do. It was short and sweet in this segment. It was short and sweet. Everybody did their job really well. Joey Janela versus Sean Spears. I'm invested in it. I'm interested in seeing it. It's something that obviously didn't have a ton of build, but I'm more than okay with it going on the card at full gear. Yeah, I don't think it needs a ton of build. Um, th- this is one that the story has started to unfold on what well, it was dark, right? On yes. dark. And they had that segment on um, Dynamite. Uh, on Dynamite. So I, I don't think you need much more there. No. But I. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think it really works, and I think both guys are going to get a nice little showcase out of it, and there's not much that needs to go into it. I, I'm enjoying it. I like watching Joey Janela. I like watching Sean Spears. I also want to wrestle Joey Janela. I'm glad that Joey Janela is growing on you. I guess he is. You just said that you enjoy watching Move on. Joey Janela. Move on. All right, so then we have our main event of the evening, which was Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus Jericho and Sammy G. Now, before we get into the match, has Sammy G always been a name that he was called? Uh, he was called it opening of the show. He was. And I also called him that last week. So is, you think is that... JR listening to our podcast? You think JR is one of our followers on there? One of our listeners? One of our like 25 guys? gals i don't know maybe it's probably it's probably something that i completely missed and it's probably a super sammy g common name because it's his name is sammy guevara why not shorten it to sammy g like sammy d sam darnold my guy you're a giants fan i know but sammy d anyway yeah getting back to sammy g don't still don't really care for him so i will let you all know that in this match, Rich said, this is Sammy G's best match so because, far. This is his strongest showing. Why? And it is only a matter of time before he loves Why him. was this his strongest showing? Because he was working with Kenny Omega. And Omega is very fucking good. Kenny Omega is very good. He came out here and carried Sammy G. And when they were together, I said, wow... This is Sammy G's best showing. Why? And I go, well, shit. Kenny Omega's carrying him. Who figures? I'm not taking anything away from Kenny because Kenny is 
arguably the best in the world besides yeah. Tama Tonga, who I plugged as the best wrestler in the world on the first show. Um, wow. Did. Happy birthday to Kazuchika Okada, though, tomorrow, the 8th. I hope that he hears that. Best wrestler in the world. Um, but so I'm not taking anything away from Kenny, but I, I think Sammy G is really coming into his own. And Ugh. he looked good in his leather jacket and his ring gear. I don't. I try not to look at him. Jericho looked good. Always. Always. Jericho looked great. Match was good. I mean, this was the match, I think, that as much as we didn't talk in detail really throughout this about the matches, I thought this match itself kind of told its own story. You know, you had a, obviously, the opening brawl, but you had guys in there. Hangman takes another loss. His descent from the Elite is apparent, but he's working with Kenny Omega. If anybody's watched Being the Elite, He's been talking with Kenny. He's been meeting with Kenny and Cody and trying to... They're trying to keep him in this thing. And I think it makes sense that he was his tag team partner. I think it makes sense going into full gear that potentially you have just a little writing. You know, you got a little Jericho with Hangman. You know, you got a little bit of those past stories with Kenny and Hangman who fought Jericho and both lost. You got a little Sammy Guevara who may get a little push going forward. I think having him in this match is important because when you start to look at Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, he can work with those guys. I have to admit, watching that match, he can work with those guys. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to invest a ton of time in Sammy Guevara versus a Kenny Omega story, I think because there's so many things that fans want to see Kenny Omega do. But matches with Sammy Guevara and Kenny Omega, I think, would be pretty good. Kenny Omega really works great matches with everybody he has the opportunity to. Uh he, he does, because yeah. he's extremely talented. But they, you know, Sammy was put in the inner circle for a reason. They clearly think very highly of him. And I think giving giving him these matches, this exposure, just helps enhance his skill. So I, I think this is good for everyone in the long run. But getting into the match, there was a lot of content that was almost hard to digest. We had a high-flying, fast pace. We had people flipping out of the ring. Adam Page, of course, hits his moonsault. Jericho, of course, is mandering to the crowd. And, you know, you have you have all these working parts, all these working pieces. The crowd is starting to get into this main event. All of a sudden, John Moxley's showing up. Cody is showing up. The proud and the powerful are showing up. The Young Bucks showed up. Hager was already out there. I'm sorry. Did I miss somebody? How did the match end? Well, the match ended when Pac showed up, and he attacked what I believe was Kenny Omega or or Adam Page. Oh, yeah, no, he low-blowed yeah. Page. And that he ended up with Page taking Page. another loss, which is, it's fine, Page, but this is going somewhere. It's obvious that Adam Page taking the Judas effect, taking another loss, oh, that's how is it going ended, yes. somewhere here, and... It's obviously, like I said, back dialing back to the descent of him from the elite. But it's hard sometimes with this whole big... I love the brawls. Just kind of cutting that. I love the brawls. But it's kind of hard sometimes for the entirety of the audience to get so engaged in something like this main event, which they've done a great job with tag teams, and then have all these people come out. And then you have all these crazy spots and stories, right? you got uh, Ortiz and Santana trying to powerbomb Matt Jackson off the ring, Mm -hmm. off the apron, I'm sorry, not the apron, damn, uh, off the stage. Then you have Nick Jackson flipping off the top. You also, I'm going to plug a friend of ours who really enjoyed the part where Chris Jericho just kind of like lumbers his way over to the group before Nick flips over. There's no reason why Jericho's got to be in that group, but he's got to get in there to go help him catch the flip. He just kind of lumbers his way in on camera and he's back there doing absolutely nothing. He's a team player. Team player is Jericho. But you got all of those things. A little little MJF came out, hit him with the chair. That kind of introduced him. He hit Hager. Uh, so it's, I don't know what they're going to do with the direction of that, but they kind of hinted again, Cody, he hinted that maybe there would be some faction against faction warfare coming up. Like full-blown five-on-five. Yeah, I think that's the direction this is heading in as well. And hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. I, I know that... What we just said sounded completely discombobulated, but that's the way the action was. The action was all over the place, but I really did appreciate, just kind of on a conclusive note for this recap, I did appreciate the 
intricacy of the story. Moxley shows up. He's going after Omega, doesn't care about anybody else. The Young Bucks and Ortiz and Santana focused on one another. Cody focused on Jericho. That's why I said before there, maybe get a little MJF or Hager. Obviously, Dustin's got the broken hand. You don't know what's going on, but at least we're getting those stories told, even in that chaos. So at the end of the show, I love that segment. I'm going to give that segment a full A. I really liked this go-home. It was such a unique go-home show compared to what WWE gives you, which is usually just the matches or tag matches with the guys facing each other at the pay-per-view coming up and just kind of get to see it twice in a row. But this was a very interesting ending to a very good Dynamite. Absolutely. I, I give the show as a whole an A. Uh, I know we didn't do grades, like I said, but the show itself is an A. I agree. And I could not be more ready for full gear. Me too. And I'm, I'm ready. And I know, and this is the truth, I know it's difficult sometimes for people with the $50 pay-per-view. But yeah. th- there has never been a pay-per-view that I've been more ready to spend the money on than this one. I agree. The television really did help. And going, talking about full gear, talking about the pay-per-view, prediction time. Prediction time. So I got the match card here. Okay. And I'll, I'll I can read. You want to read them? No, you can. You okay. can read them. We'll read them down, and we will. We'll go ma- match by match. Match by match. So let's start with this one. I know it's probably not going to open, but Joey Janela versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. I'm taking Janela. I I think this is a bigger deal for Janela. I don't know what his record is off the top of my head, but it's not great. But I'm a big Sean Spears fan. So I'm going to have to say Sean Spears. Tully's going to help this time. Because I feel like Tully just kind of sits around. I, he's got to do something this time. We had too much Tully in that Cody match. Now we don't get enough Tully. So maybe we need a little more Tully. You turned your back on Joey. I didn't. I'm f- I, I want him to experience these lows. So he's got to lower his you know, expectations and have to challenge me. So gonna have to he's gonna have to go somewhere moving on uh rio as the aew women's world champion against emmy sakura i'm taking rio i'm also taking rio i think this is more of a passing of the torch coronation of rio you're ready for this agreed socal uncensored which is kazarian and scorpio versus the lucha brothers versus private party in a triple threat tag team AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Triple threats. Obviously, the stakes are so much higher because... And faster. Yeah. So, this could go any direction. Yeah. Um, oof. Would you think they would drop the titles after just getting them, That's though? my thought. Like, I, I, I want to see SCU retain and have some defenses, but I don't know. I'm going to take SCU. I think they're going to do it. I think it's just too short. Even though, like I said, I am a bigger fan of maybe kind of flipping the titles around a little bit, build some legitimacy with these guys. Hey, this is a former three-time tag team champion or or whatever. I'm going to take SCU in this one. I am also going to take SCU. There is bias. You were going to turn your back on Scorpio. I couldn't, no. So there's bias, but that's where I stand. The pre-show however, is probably more intense than some of the other ones. B. Priestley, Britt Baker, one-on-one for the first time. We didn't even talk about this. and I know. I wasn't have on the show, been though. super pumped for this match. I was hoping it would be for the belt. I know. But... Rio's great. No, that's just that's not, not a oh, shot. Oh, you mean just a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was hoping that Britt and, and B would be able to fight for the... The championship, but one day I'm sure that'll happen. I'm sure. Um, I'm gonna take B. Yeah, I'll take Britt Baker. Obviously, I know her record's four and one. I think they're gonna gear her up to challenge again for the belt. Actually, no, I'm taking B. I'm sticking with B. I'll take Britt. I'll take Britt. We met Britt. She's a very nice woman. She was very nice, Doctor Britt. I'm gonna take her. Uh, Adam Page versus Pack. Pack rubber match. You taking Pack? Yeah. Yeah, they're His... one and one against one another because I guess that tag team match. But they were they were they were planting the rubber match 
seeds, I guess, on Dynamite. They were kind of lamenting that this was the third installment of Pack versus Adam Page. I believe they're considering the tag team match one of their matchups. So you're taking Pack, huh? I am taking Pack. Are you a Pack fan? No, not quite. Well, I have to take Adam Page. That's, That's your like, boy. <laughs> well, it's like my second guy. Dustin's kind of like number one, though. Oh, and AEW. He's kind of the best. Yeah, yeah he, he just love, doesn't work. You love him. Uh, the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Sexy Santana and Ortiz. Sexy Santana and Ortiz. <laughs> That's your taking. <laughs> yeah. God. Is it okay to say that? Like dub him that? <laughs> I, yeah, this is your nickname for him. Oh God. I'm gonna take the Young Bucks. Of course. Because. Are you gonna wear your Super Kick Fiesta shirt that you got for your birthday? To. The show? No. Mm. We wear my hangman shirt. Oh. If they win, I'll wear the Fiesta shirt on the way home. Chris Jericho versus Cody for the AEW world title. There's going to be three judges, and if Cody loses, he cannot challenge for the world championship again. This is tough. I am taking Cody. I am taking Jericho. I am okay with the outcome either way. I don't know how they're going to get themselves out of a box, though. If they box themselves in Uh, with Cody losing. I know. That's where the stip gets difficult, but then that's where it's like, well, Cody's going to win, and then they throw you a curveball and he doesn't. Cody's going to win. I'm sticking with Jericho. I think the inner circle... um, is just getting started, really, but... The inner circle's reign of dominance is still young, and it's far from over. You know, I said I see Proud and Powerful winning. I also see Jericho retaining, and I think they're going to... I'm sticking to my guns, though. I'm sticking to my guns because I said I think it might be better for the title to switch hands a little bit. I'm sticking to my guns and going with Cody. And I'm not saying Cody's got to hold it for a long time, but I'm sticking with Cody. They're not going 60 minutes. No way. But I'm sti- maybe no. Oh my god. Maybe maybe that's why there's not that many matches on the card. No, they're not doing it. All right. So if they do sixty, well, they can't do sixty and then close with a lights out match. That'd be ridiculous. I see Jericho retaining because I think there is dirty. Hell yeah. Like filthy, like a filthy win. Do what you got to do to win. Okay, I'm taking Cody. And what we think is going to be pegged as the main event because. If it's a lights-out match, let me just kind of give you this general visual. Close your eyes. Visualize this. Visualize the pay-per-view. The lights go out. The lights come back on. The match is unsanctioned. If the match is not the main event, what, the lights go back out again and turn back on again? (laughs) Is that how they're going to have to do that? So it's got to be the main event. So John Moxley, Kenny Omega, finally collide unsanctioned lights out main event we assume of full gear what do you got me (laughs) (laughs) you just i have been waiting for this match for so long that i think i am the winner you are the winner (laughs) i'm going to take john moxley because i think he's next up for this title run i think he's got to be the guy if jericho does win i'm picking cody but if jericho does win I think he's going to be the guy to take down Jericho. I think it just makes the most sense. He's a guy, he's a star. The crowd loves him. The audience loves him. I love him. But I think it just makes the most sense. He's the biggest baby face as much as he's edgy and and, and whatnot. I think he's a guy who's going to take down Jericho. I think at least take the belt off him for a little bit. Um, So I'm taking Moxley. But the match doesn't count. Oh, yeah. I know. So I'm still the winner. Okay. (laughs) Um... I also would pick Mox, though. Okay, so we're in agreement on that one. Moxley goes over Omega in a match that doesn't matter, and then Moxley gets the title shot against Jericho or Cody. Would be good to face Cody, though. Pretty interesting. Moxley and Cody, I don't know if we've seen that one outside of Stardust. That would be interesting. Would be interesting. Would be interesting. So, nice predictions. We had a lot of the same ones. We did. It's okay. We watched the same show. We all have the same feeling. Everybody has the same prediction. We were supposed to go purposefully against one another. We had different ones. I took the Young Bucks. You took Ortiz and Santana. I took Cody. You took Jericho. It's okay. New Japan time. Wrestle Kingdom time. 
Big news out of New Japan. Wrestle Kingdom. Night one. Title matches. Okada Ibushi. Jay White. Naito. Winners square off the next night, the 5th of January. Unification, double belt, whatever you want to call it, double belt. Winner take all between the winners and the night prior. The losers also face each other the next night. So back-to-back big matches for all four of those guys. And then don't forget, you got Go, fucking Ace, Tanahashi, Jericho, also on the 5th of January. Big show. We'll have a special podcast for that show exclusively. But what do you think about this? I know you're a New Japan traditionalist, so what do you think about this? Ugh. Blockbuster matches. Yes, for for sure. They're, they're, they're top four guys. High hopes for the matches themselves. I think they're going to they're going to be amazing. Naito and Jay White and the G1 this year was incredible. I watched it. I stayed up to watch it. You watched it the second. Yeah. Um, I stayed up to watch it live, and I watched it again with you that night, and I, I was raving about it. Yeah, because they're just they're two of the the best in the business. Um, so I think the matches themselves are going to be great. I don't know how I feel about the the double belt though. I don't like it because they've basically been just teasing it all year. They're giving away the fact they were going to do this, and then there's no story to get there. There's no reason why these guys are fighting again the next night. There's no reason other than the fact that New Japan wanted to capitalize on Wrestle Kingdom and run two programs. I mean, if it separates it, it slows the show down, makes it a little shorter. That makes sense. I get that. I'd rather watch two four-hour shows or two three-hour shows than one eight-hour show. WrestleMania, take a hint. But you're running in this program, Okada Ibushi, which is the biggest match. Fans everywhere want to see Okada and Ibushi. Then you got Jay White and Naito, and then you know you got those those Naito fans who are like double belt Naito's coming. He said it's coming. He was like the first person to say it's coming. Double belt Jay. See the nonsense though about this whole thing is Okada's just gonna win. No. Okay, whatever. <laughs> no, he's, he's not. He's just gonna win. Okada's beating Ibushi. And Jay White's beating Naito, and Jay White's beating Okada. He's getting his redemption for fucking losing at the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden back on April 6, 2019. We saw Okada's reign come to life, and we're going to watch it come to an end. This is bullshit. Wrestle Kingdom. This is not going to happen. It's bullshit. Jay White Redemption Tour starts now. No, no Jay White Redemption Tour. I like Jay White. I'm a big Jay White fan, but Okada... Happy birthday to you is going to be double belt Okada, period. This is going to cause like some issues in the household. Yeah, when Naito wins and everybody gets fucked. Oh my goodness. Why? Because we're all just like, fuck this shit. We're done. I'm turning this fucking thing off. Except we, I think we've mentioned this before. We have four fans. One is a diehard Okada fan. One is a. That's you. That diehard die okay, Okada fan is you. Away. Just give it away. Nobody knew that before this. Just saying happy birthday. Leave the guy alone. You got a huge Naito fan, a huge Ibushi fan, and a huge Jay White fan. So this is going to be fun in our very small friend group. And I can't wait to watch this. Are we doing this live? Live? Yeah. Are we watching this show live? No, oh, there's no way. Oh, I think we were recording the podcast live. I was like, that'd be really long. Um, we're watching it live. At like 4 a.m. It might be earlier than that. Depends on how long the show is. But we're watching it live. Which one are we watching live? Both. Oh, wait, shit. No, both. So we're going to go to sleep during the day and just wake up again and just do it all over? Yep. Are you going to be really sad when Okada's just double belt champ and everything just goes back to the way it should? No, because Jay White is taking both belts home. So that's really the big news. Power Struggle had no title changes. So obviously that was setting up for what we were getting at at Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, New Japan this past few months has kind of been slow. Obviously we're gearing up towards Wrestle Kingdom. We had a couple of good matches uh, throughout, obviously, at, at Kings of Pro Wrestling, but 
obviously Sonata and Okada was a great match, but we just kind of have been slow a little bit in New Japan, and I'm, I'm waiting for that to ramp up a little bit and get ready for Wrestle Kingdom and to see all these things happen. So I hear you. I think us personally, we've been so excited for AEW, yeah. you know, the television debut, that it's kind of taken us away from New Japan a little bit, and we do need to get back in the swing of things, which we will. Uh, we've got the World Tag League coming up. Oh, yeah, we do. Which we do. I'm super pumped for because... Girls of Destiny. Gorillas of Destiny. Yeah. Um, I have missed them. They have been off New Japan programming for about a month now. We saw them at Fighting yeah. Spirit Unleashed. Don't think they've been on any shows recently, but they're going to be back for the World Tag League, in which I hope that they win. I mean, who else is their competition at this point? Well... We do have a very strong Bullet Club representation throughout this tag tournament. We have, in addition to the Gorillas of Destiny, we've got the team of Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Oh my fucking God. And Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi. Jesus. So if G.O.D. doesn't take it home for the club... Chase Owens will? With my boy Fale. God, I fucking hate Chase Owens too. Be nice. Chase Owens... He's going to vanity find us. He's good at that. Be nice to Chase. Be nice to the Bullet Club. I don't... Again, it's not that these guys aren't good wrestlers. Chase Owens is fine. What does Chase Owens do for us? What purpose does he serve? He is a member of the Bullet Club. And we are Bullet Club for life. Imagine if... I am Bullet Club for life. You are the Bullet Club babe. You are chaos. (laughs) Imagine if Chase Owens tagged with, like, Sammy Guevara. Dream team. Vomit on a stick. With that, are we concluding? We can definitely conclude at this point. Guys, it's been a really long day. <laughs> and I'm sorry for the the rambling and the disorganization that this this fucking podcast episode is. Um thank you for listening if you made it this far. <laughs> we will be back on Saturday night with a full gear special. Uh, we'll be attending the show in Baltimore. Uh, we're going to bring our equipment with us to the hotel and our two friends that are coming with us will probably be on and we'll we'll do a recap right after, let you know you know the results, what we thought of it. We'll be attending Starcast during the day. So you know we'll just kind of give a you know a Baltimore full gear experience. Yeah. So in conclusion, just make sure pay attention to Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter. That's the Twitter handle. And check us out, and next week we will have a much better program for the show post Full Gear. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys.